Hey, this place is a house of prayer. This is a place where we call upon the name, the only name that is given by which man can be saved. This is a place where people change. This is a place where uh, you don't work to get better, but you realize that somebody already did the work for you to get better, and you just get to receive it. I don't know what you're going through in this place, but I think it's very timely that we start a new series this morning called Deeper. Anybody excited to get into the Word of God this morning? Somebody turn to your favorite neighbor and say, are you ready? Because we're going deeper. We're going deeper. Somebody give God another round of applause. He's worthy in this place, y'all. Wow. What about the band up here just doing what they do best? What about the Lord in this place just doing what he does best, y'all? Wow. Can I pray? Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you so much for your grace and your mercy, God. We thank you for what you're doing here in this house, Lord, your house. Thank you for welcoming us in this place, Jesus. Thank you for your Holy Spirit's power in this place, God. And I pray even right now that you would anoint this time as I begin to preach your word. I pray, Lord, that you would give me utterance to speak boldly from your word as I ought to, God. That you would move me and any agenda that I might have out of the way. But, God, that your spirit would move in this place and that your agenda would be accomplished, God. And that you would speak to the hearts and the lives of the ones that are in this room that you know need to do business with you, Lord. And as some have already done, I pray that the people in this room, including myself, would know that at any time and at any rate, no matter what is going on up here in this uh place and on this stage, Lord, that these altars are open and that this is a house of prayer. This is not a house of people's agenda. This is not a house of, um, of, of performance or, or uh, procedure. This is a house of prayer where we come to connect with you, the Father of heaven and earth. The one who says, let there be in nothingness, obeys that. And so God, thank you for what you've already begun to do in this place this morning. And God, I am so excited to see what comes next. In the name of Jesus, I pray your blessing. Amen. Amen. We got a little distance between us this morning. It's a little different. Um, I'm so excited about what's going on. I know it, it's a stage in the rough right now, but that carpet's going to take the echoes away a little bit, and it's going to be awesome. And uh, just the team, I just want to, I believe in giving uh, credit where credit is due, and I, I got to say thank you to some people that work very hard on this. They uh, have spent uh, day in and day out for a few days just making this what it is. And when it's completed, it's going to look just so good. So I just want to give a round of applause to uh, the whole team. Jeremiah, Jimmy, um, Chris Mangus, uh, the people that he came with. Just everybody that, Leonard, he came and spent hours soldering wire and making sure things are ran right. So round of applause for you guys. Thank you so much to the team. Anybody walk in here underneath an umbrella this morning? Thanks to the hospitality team. You guys rock. <laughs> Standing out there in the rain and holding them umbrellas. Thank you for being such servant leaders. You are amazing and it's my privilege to work beside you. And one last thing, I am just so honored to have been able to share this stage with uh, not only a dear friend, but one of my favorite co-workers, Jeremiah, last week. What an amazing job he did sharing the Word of God last week. An amazing job. I don't know if you know me, but he knows me and Jimmy knows me well enough that I'm not 
a fan of just throwing somebody in the position of standing up here and giving the word of the Lord for the week. And so it, it definitely um, uh, it is an honor to have somebody like you, Jeremiah, that is able, willing, and definitely talented to stand in this spot and preach the word of God. Uh, when you needed, or when I needed you to be here. So thank you so much for that. Well, thank you guys for allowing me to uh, take a week and go enjoy some time with my family. It was much needed. And uh, it was definitely, um, we're definitely grateful for that opportunity we had. But I gotta say, uh, I'm more excited to be here with you this morning. And even though it's raining outside, there's no amount of rain that's gonna dampen the fire that's in this room this morning. I'm gonna tell you, I look at you guys, I watch you, and don't, don't judge me. I'm not a creep. I just watch you while you worship. It's awesome. I love to see you guys worship and just uh, praise the Lord. And it's just, I don't know. You guys are awesome. You look good. You're beautiful. You're awesome. I love you. That's enough awesomes for you this morning. This morning, we want to start a new series. You're not going to be as excited as I am about this series. But I'm going to tell you, I'm very excited about this new series we're calling Deeper. I just want to go a little deeper. I think... Um, and here's kind of the concept behind it. The point of this series would be like, uh, anybody remember the first time you ever gazed upon the deep end of the pool? The first time. Some of y'all got horror stories where your grandparents like threw you in there and said sink or swim. Jeez, I'm praying for you. If you're still dealing with that anxiety and depression, uh, here's where you can come lay that down at the feet of Jesus. Um, but you remember the first time you gazed upon the deep end of the pool? Like, the emotions like, ah, there's fear, there's anxiety, but there's also anticipation because everybody that I've seen come out of the deep says it's good. And I don't know if you know where I'm going with this, but a lot of us are surface level in our faith, not because we mean to, it's just there's some unknowns with going deeper with the Lord. There's some things that we hear some horror stories about how my grandmother threw me in and said sink or swim, but then we hear others that say, Oh, the deep end is good. And so I just want to go a little deeper. Through this series, I have no clue how long it will be. It won't be any more than four or five weeks, and so don't get weary on me. But um, through this series, I want to um, capture that moment um, from, like, some of us in this room, we are those people that are staring at the deep end of our relationship with Je uh, Jesus, and, and we're, we're looking at it with anticipation, but there are fears, and there are anxieties, and there are worries. What if, what if I read the Word of God, and it tells me to do something that I don't want to do? Or what if I'm, ch uh, like, charged by the Holy Spirit, or I'm, I'm convicted by the Holy Spirit to stop my grumbling and complaining? What if I'm convicted by the Holy Spirit to do this or do that or move in this way or give that or be this expressive with my faith. Like a lot of us would much rather take the more comfortable route of just being the average everyday, you know, Christian comes in on Sundays and maybe even on Wednesdays as well. You're in tune with a small group, but that's about as deep as it goes. And what I want to do is challenge you over the next few weeks to not only gaze at the deep end, take a look at the deep end with me, but with all that fear and anxiety, finally just take a step into it and dive into the deep end, but the more monumental thing and what matters the most, and this is the result that I want from uh, this, this series that I think God has, has uh, given us to preach. I think the most monumental result that can happen from this series would be 
what you take with you as you come out of the deep. And to you right now, that may not mean much. But just as the days when we looked at the deep end of the pool with fear and anxiety and worry, but also anticipation of wanting to see what it's about and and things like that, just like when we heard all the stories about how it's so much funner in the deep end. It's so much better. The deep end's good. I know we hear from all these churchy people that the deep end is good. I'm going to tell you it is. The deep end's very good. In spite of everything that you've heard, about devoting your life fully to the Lord in everything, the deep end is good. And so, over our time, though today our text scripture will be in Luke chapter 17. If you want to go ahead and turn there, you can. Um, Though our text is going to be in Luke 17, the underlying tone of this whole series is Acts chapter 2 and 3. There is a moment during the birth of the new church in Acts, the first few chapters of Acts, where like monumental examples were made. Hear me, church. They did things like devoting themselves to the teaching of the word of God. Devoting themselves to that teaching. Y'all say, well, I do my morning devos. I think they did a little more than morning devos. They devoted themselves to the teaching of the word of God. It was important to them. But they did more. They sold their possessions. They, they got, re- I mean, they did drastic, what we would call drastic things in order to um, grow the kingdom of God here on earth. And it's not like, you know, there really, there really weren't a lot of just like commands or demands from the Lord to do these things. These are just things that they naturally had done to, 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 pursue the growth of the kingdom and you know what happened all this is rounded up with a statement each day were added to the number by the thousands people were being added to the number that made up the new uh new testament church in that day every single day so why don't we see that why don't we see uh Numbers being added every single day. Now you may look around and you're like, oh, there's some seats empty. Yeah, it's vacation season. I'm not talking about the ones that'll be back next week. I'm saying, why don't we see drastic numbers every single day? You say, Austin, we're in a new day and age. There's a church on every corner. You'd be surprised to know that though there is a church on every corner, they're not full. There are many, 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 many people that need some Christians to jump in that deep end and then start telling folks about how good it is. So, anyway, the underlying tone for this message series will be the beginning of Acts, Um, and that's the perspective we're looking from But our text, if you turn to Luke chapter 17, starting in verse 11, this is where we'll be at today. I want to preach a message called the deep end. So if you're writing anything down, write that down. I want to talk about the deep end. Um, The Bible says, Luke chapter 17, verse 11, while traveling to Jerusalem, he passed between Samaria and Galilee. Who's he? Jesus. Um, As he entered a village, this is very important, so pay attention right here. As he entered a village, ten men with leprosy met him. 
And they stood at a distance and raised their hands and voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he told them, go and show yourselves to the priests. There is something that's not lining up here. We need to talk about it. Hold on. Um, And while they were going, they were cleansed. Well, this is unlike most cases where somebody in need of help meets Jesus. You know, normally there's just an exchange right there. We'll see what happens. But one of them, seeing that he was uh, healed, returned and with a loud voice gave glory to God. And he fell face down at his feet, thanking him. And he was a Samaritan, and there's a reason for that statement as well. It's, it's crazy what you get when you just read things verse by verse. And then Jesus said, we're not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Didn't any return to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he told him, get up and go. Go on your way, for your faith has saved you. Now real quick, just before I forget it, Jesus asked the question, where are the nine? Weren't there ten cleansed? You think Jesus couldn't tell whether or not his healing or his miracle worked while they were on the road? I think he's talking more about their character and, and maybe why their response was different from this one guy's. And we're going to learn something uh, from this guy's, this one Samaritan's response today that I think is monumental to um, your faith, but it, it's also monumental for my faith today as well. Look back at verse 12 through 14. The Bible says this, as he entered a village, 10 men with leprosy met him and they stood at a distance and raised their voices. This is the first time the voices are raised. Raised their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Of course, them being with leprosy, I could see why they would need some mercy in this moment. But to continue on with this uh, this section here, when he saw them, he told them. He didn't do anything. He just replied, go and show yourself to the priest. And while they were going, they were cleansed and so something I want to say right here and right now to to, to kind of just give you some context about what we just read is, is is this as he was entering the village 10 men with leprosy met him and stood at a distance and raised their voices saying Jesus master have mercy on us what does that even mean why in the world would they do something like that I don't know if you know this but for those of you that don't know about the context um, that we're coming from in this verse of scripture the historical context is this is that there would be encampments of these people with leprosy like le- lepers couldn't just live with the average Joe you you were an outcast you were a desperado you were a reject of the culture you were not allowed to remain amongst the normal crowd and there were some rules set in place one rule that you may have seen already that they exemplify was this that they were not allowed to get close to anybody had somebody that weren't a leper come in their general vicinity they were made to immediately identify as a leper so they begin to raise their voices with their hands up high This was the identification of leprosy. Don't come close. I'm a leper. Don't come close. I'm messed up. I'm a reject. Don't come close. 
But the second custom that you see is in Jesus' response as he begins to tell them without doing a thing. He's like, they're like, Jesus, help us, have mercy on us, Master. And without even coming closer or, or doing anything like he's done before, he just simply says, hey, go and show yourselves to the priest. And while they were going, they were cleansed. Austin, what in the world does that even mean? There's like some very monumental things that I want to hopefully not forget as I talk about this but like the second custom is this that if by some miracle they were healed the priest had to authenticate it they had to go show themselves to the priest that was the custom that's why Jesus said go show yourself to the priest so that they could get the uh, the, the stamp of re-entry into civilization Mike you know what that's about The second thing I want to talk about, though, from that moment, though, is this. That more than Jesus' ability to heal these people in that moment being the focal point of that verse, Jesus highlighted their faith. Jesus, in that verse, highlighted the opportunity for them to take action in their faith. What do you mean, Jesus, go to the priest? You had, I can't go to the priest like this. I still have leprosy. I'm still jacked up. How in the world am I? What is he going to do? Smack me in the face and turn me around? I can't go back into society like this. I'm only going to get rejected. And I wonder how many people outside of these walls are saying the same thing about coming in here. I can't go in there like this. What do you mean? Come as you are. You don't mean that. Or do we? And I just want to say, Overcome Church, I, I spent some time with lunch, um, or at lunch with a family this week. And, um, you know, I, I had the opportunity to kind of explain why. We just want to love God and love people. And why, like it's cute for a church to just put that on their things. Like, love God, love people, it sounds great, it's easy to remember. Uh, we want to reach people through evangelism, discipleship, and community. That sounds great and it looks good, but like, we mean it. Like, we really just want to love people and love God, and we want to reach people. We want people to change. We want, we want to show people new life in Christ, but we don't want to just generate new life. We, we want to hold the hands of Christians and disciple them and grow them into the saints of God. But then also, this is about community. This is about being that church that loves one another in such a way that when people look inward, they see Jesus. You remember what Jesus said to his disciples? Love one another in this way. Just as I have loved you so that when people see that, they'll know that you're my disciples. You don't have to say a word. Just love one another just like Jesus loved you. You don't have to say a word. And so what I wanted to highlight there in that first moment is the fact that Jesus went to where the rejects were. He went to this, I mean, it had to be an encampment. There was 10. There had to be even more. But these 10 wanted healing that day, apparently. And Jesus is walking in with his disciples. And these 10 men with leprosy are like, Jesus, uh, help us, Master, have mercy on us. And when Jesus uh, sees them, he just simply says, go and show yourselves to the priest. Now, for some of us, that's illogical if we know the historical context. Because how in the world am I going to go show myself to the priest? 
just looking like this. I cannot take my leper, uh, my, my leper self to the priest. He's going to reject me. I will not gain anything from doing this. That's not, Jesus, that's not what Jesus' concern was. Jesus took the opportunity to highlight their faith. Highlight whether or not they would take the chance to utilize their faith and put feet to their faith. And so what would happen is Jesus would say, go and show yourselves to the priest. And just like they were with leprosy and all, they would begin to walk and show themselves to the, or to show themselves to the priest. And what happened? They were cleansed after they stepped out in faith. Now Jesus could have helped them right then and there. Jesus could have gave them, you know, everything they were asking for right then and there. But then something else happens. Listen, church, what I want to do this morning, this is kind of a preface to the rest of the series. This morning, I just want to show you the deep end. I just want to say, hey, look, the deep end's over here. I know you kind of probably look at it in seasons. And I know you probably kind of tempt yourself to kind of go off in there in seasons. I think about, you know, like the kids, you know, any kid, when they're like, they're looking at the deep end and mommy and daddy's in the deep end, they're like, I'm not going in there, but then you persuade them to come close to the edge, and you either do the evil thing or what would be politically correct, and I'm probably amped to do the evil thing. I would snatch my kid and take him into the deep end and say, suck it up, you're going to learn how to be in the deep end, and then you could do the, uh, the, the more correct thing, I guess people would say, and be like, okay, honey, you're not ready for it, whatever. I'm a snatcher. Uh, <laughs> no. Lord, don't judge my parenting, please. Um, I just want to, <laughs> uh, it's good to have Noah in the room today. That was a point where you could amen, son. Anyway, all right, back on track. So I just want to show you today, I just want to show you the deep end. Somebody say the deep end. I just want to show you the deep end. And, and one thing that I want to make mention of, I've already said it, but Jesus went to the rejects. I think um, more than we could do with any sign or banner or pamphlet or piece of paper, um, we, we could accomplish so much more by just talking and saying. And I guess Mike could have preached my sermon for me this morning. But we can do so much more just by being the church, by truly walking uh, in, 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 the, in the way that it is to be a Christian, a follower of Christ, being the church, being a person saved by Jesus. You don't have to be this, like, this robot of a Christian. You don't have to be Ned Flanders. You don't have to be like some made up. Like, I can't give you a stencil. I can't give you a, a, a checklist of how you can become the perfect example of Jesus or a perfect example of a Christian. I'm not going to try. Why? Because I don't know how. And anybody who does say they know how to be a perfect Christian, like, teach me. I need your help. But what I will do is say, hey, even in the midst of your, uh, you know, still being human, you can love one another in such a way that when people see you, and trust me, they're watching. When people see you, they know exactly who you are. Oh, them, they're followers of Jesus. They're the real ones. They're the real deal. And so what I want to make mention is this, that Jesus isn't afraid to get up in the junk 
of people and you shouldn't either. Now I'm not saying, listen, there's a fine line and people will take me wrong and I'm prepared for you to take me wrong. It's okay, I'll get your emails, austin at overcomechurch.org. But what I want to say this is you are meant to be of the world or in the world but not of the world. And so some people are teetotalers. That's what I would call you. You're a teetotaler. I said we're going deeper so bear with me. I may step on somebody's foot. You can step on mine back. But some of you are teetotalers. I'm supposed to be in the world but not of it. I will not conform to the world. I will not be moved or shaken or or transformed by the world. And that's okay to be that way. But in the same breath that you are saying these things and preaching this from the mountaintop, you decide to not go out into the world at all. You would much rather just live in your bubble, come to church when it's available for you to do so, and or just sit in your home comfortable. And and, and, and that's about the, the... consistence of all that you do as a Christian and then there's others of you that take that and will go all the way to the other side of the spectrum and you'll say I'm supposed to be out here at the bars uh, reaching these people and 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 handing out tracks or or being this I'm supposed to be out in the woods and I would say that's cool too go out into the wild go out into the woods preach Jesus but man you better be strong because it's wild out there in the woods and I'm going to tell you what you see every single day scholars you see heroes of the faith falling because they spend more time out in the woods than they do in the word of God hey the same people that are preaching get out in the woods hey you better be spending more time in the word of God than you are in the woods because the woods it uh it gets deep out there we're called to exemplify Jesus' efforts to Go out to the highways and byways and and invite people in. Be bold enough to just invite people in, but it's deep out there. It's nerve-wracking. Anybody just get a little anxious when you know Jesus gave you this opportunity to have a conversation with somebody, maybe your waiter or your waitress or somebody that you're passing and in public? You get a little anxious because you know, like the Holy Spirit's inside of you like, hey, this is an opportunity for a conversation, and you, but you're like, uh, I don't know what to say. I'm not going to say it. I don't know. It's not going to happen. Anybody ever get that way? Come on. We can be real in this place. Anybody ever get that way? Me too. Me too. I'm a pastor. I talk to y'all every week, but me too. There's times where it's like, man, they don't want to hear what I got to say. Who gives a rip? We're talking about eternal life and death, and we have the, or we have the, uh, the, the remedy for our sin debt, we have the perfect um, payment for our sin debt embedded inside of us called the deposit of God. He's the Holy Spirit. We have that inside of us. Why in the world would we be ashamed to give that to somebody else? Mike, you could have preached my message this morning. Man, listen, we got to exemplify. Jesus went straight to where the rejects were. I think he knew what he was doing when he was walking into that town. But the main point is, church, that you would take steps of faith, even though you don't see the change yet, that you would take steps of faith, putting feet to your faith. Notice what these lepers did. They still were sick as a dog. They were still, they were looked at as dogs. They still had leprosy all over them, and Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. How in the world am I going to show myself to the priest looking like this, being like this, sick as this? But they went. 
And the Bible says they were cleansed. I wonder what would happen if a bunch of Christians from Overcome Church just decided to put feet to their faith. And outside of these walls, you just exemplified Jesus in not being afraid to strike up a conversation. Not being afraid to pray for somebody in public. Not being afraid to be bold enough to take a flyer to an open car door in a Walmart parking lot and say, hey, I don't know what you got going on this weekend, but we got a block party going on. And I would love to see you there. It's free food and then you advertise for everything. Or just simple things. Hey, I don't know who you are and you may be living your best life. But could I pray for you? Is there anything I could pray for? I'm going to tell you what, in all my times of doing that, and I don't, I don't look at me like, oh, he does it every day. I, that's not what I'm saying. Please, please don't do that to me. But in all my times that I have done that, uh, done that, there's more people that are astounded at the fact that you would even care enough to ask them than there are people that say, no, I don't need prayer. And just like it was the effect of what Jesus said here that meant more than what Jesus actually said. It's the effect of the heart that is inside of you to love God and love people that will mean more to people than the fact that you even prayed. There's a renowned, um, I, I don't want to mislabel him. Um, he, he's a magician, but he, he was vocal about his disbelief in Jesus. You may know who I'm talking about. Um, and he made a statement one time. I wish I would have pulled the video up. He made a statement one time about how there was a Christian that came to him and asked him one day if he could just pray for him. And what he had said is like, even though I am like openly unbelieving in Christ like I I hate the thought of even uh, going to church or believing in Christ even though I'm open about that and people know this about me the fact that he knew it and decided to come to me anyway showed me that there really is a, a genuine love in the world still and uh, I think the effect of just your heart's condition putting feet to your faith would be monumental in the growth of the kingdom of God. You don't have to really say or do anything right or wrong. There, I mean, we spend too much time trying to figure out the right way to do this Christian life. And Jesus is like, man, it's all a waste of time. Don't waste your time with all this. Just love like I loved. Don't be afraid to be bold in your faith. Anyway, I'm spending too much time on that point. But take steps of faith, even though you don't see a change yet. That's when true change and true growth and, and exponential growth happens. When people are faithful, even when there's little fruit on the vine just yet. Um, this is the moment, everything that I've been talking about, this right here is the moment that you spend contemplating the deep end. Today is like a preface to what we'll preach the next couple of weeks. And not to bore you, but this is that uh, symbolic moment where you spend time contemplating the deep end. Like, do I want to do this? Do I want to dive into my relationship with Christ? Do I want to really devote myself to the teaching of the Word of God? Do I really want to sacrificially, and we'll talk more about this next week, do I really want to sacrificially 
uh, uh, turn my back on materialism and, and, and vanity and, and all this in order to see growth in the kingdom? Do I want to really do this? Do I really want to be the church that is spoken about in the word of God? Like, do I really want to be that Acts chapter 2 and 3 church? Do I want to, do, like, do I as a person want to do that personally? This is that moment where you're spending time contemplating the deep end. But then there comes a time where there's this transformational shift that weeds out, and some of you will know what I'm talking about here, the wheat from the tear. The wheat from the chaff. Oh, Austin, we don't want to talk about that. Some of y'all who know what I'm talking about, you don't want to talk about that. You don't want to talk about that moment when Jesus said, hey, there's a day coming when my Father will come with the harvesting tool. And he'll tear out and separate the wheat from the chaff. In other words, he will separate the effective from the ineffective, or the committed from the uncommitted, the real ones from the not so real ones. I'm trying not to be so harsh. But what I'm saying is there's a day when Bible talks about these things. There's a transformational shift that must take place in every believer in Christ. The ones who look into the word of God and say, Lord, I really want to see what you say. I really want to live how you say to live. I really want to be the church that you want me to be. I really want to be the follower that you want me to be. I really want to devote my life to you. So I'm going to look into it. And for those of you that would look into the word of God, see what what the Lord says and then you begin to walk in that yeah you'll mess up from time to time but that's what separates the true fruit of the field the true fruit of harvest and then the things that are just taking up space in the field the things that are just making I mean they they take up sunlight it's weeds that's what chaff is weeds it's things that don't belong in the garden it's like the things that you till uh, between your your corn and your tomatoes the things you don't want taking up the nutrients from the ground and the Bible says and not to be harsh but it's true it's reality the Bible says there's a day where the father of heaven and earth will look down on the harvest and say hey right now is the time where I will separate the fruit of the harvest from what's just taking up space i'm gonna tell you what i just i'll leave it at this i want to be i want to be part of the fruit of the harvest i don't want to just take up space you know what i'm saying i don't want to be that guy he talks talks about burning the weeds and things like that i don't want to get into that this is a trans uh transitional shift though there comes a time where you have to make that decision hey I'm looking at this deep end and I'm looking at the opportunity God gives me to go into this deep relationship with him, which is a privilege in and of itself. And I promise I won't bore you with much more. I'm literally one more point away. But um, like it's a privilege in and of itself to be able to have this opportunity to have such a relationship with the creator of the universe. But like this is where the shift takes place. Like I hope you take this home with you this afternoon and you contemplate these things and you dive off in the deep end. You decide that, hey, more than just my little morning devotional, I'm going to try and strive in my faith. I'm going to run the race for the win. Maybe you saw the video I put on social media, but I was, I've been working uh, a little bit in the gym and I have goals for the gym and that day in particular I worked very hard towards the goals and I didn't reach my goal 
uh, of you know, how fast I ran the mile or how much weight I pressed that day or so on and so forth. I did not reach my goal, but that doesn't mean I never go back to the gym. It doesn't mean I stop eating correctly. It doesn't mean I don't you know, continue to work towards it. Hey, there is going and bound to be a time where you're not going to be, uh, I mean, you're running a race. You're running a race. You're not at the finish line as soon as you step over the start line. You're not going to be who you are or who God wants you to be right out of the gate when you begin to step into the deep end. But what I will say is through the process, you are running a race. I believe that God's word commands us that while we run this race, we run to win. We run to the best of our ability. And that causes personal sacrifice. It causes, in some cases, and I'll expound on this in a second, public humiliation. Like this one guy came back, and I'm getting into my second point already, but what I want to say is this. Hey, there is going to be a time where you have to make the decision. Are you going to be just um, this guy? And I never told you to write the first point down, but it's surface faith. Are you going to be this guy that hangs out on the first few steps of faith? Are you going to ever jump in the deep end and find out how good it is? My second point, if you'll look at verse 15 through 19, and I'll, I'll do my be- uh, best to get you over to the clock in time. I'm not going. Don't ask me to go. I've eaten my fill. I love my friends over there, but I've eaten my fill. Cheesecake's not doing good for me. Verses 15 through 19, the Bible says this, and this is after the, this is, there's a, there's a period in between these two moments in our text scripture. Like there's a moment of them going to the priests, but then after a little bit of time, something happens, right? And so this is in between the two, um, like the North Pole and the South Pole of our text scripture today, look, this is the South Pole here. Luke chapter 17, verses 15 through 19. The Bible says this, but one of them, only one, seeing that he was healed, returned with a loud voice. This is the second time he raises his voice. With a loud voice again, except for this time it's different. The first time he raises his voice saying, Jesus, help me, have mercy on me. But this time he comes with a loud voice And he returns with this loud voice and gave glory to God. He fell face down at his feet, thanking him, and he was a Samaritan. Why does it say he was a Samaritan? Because here is public humiliation. The implications for going back was this. Like everyone else in that crew, he could have just stayed his course, taken the healing, taken the cleansing, gone back into society and been his own man and had a great time doing it. But instead, he went back, but the implications for going back caused some sacrifice. One was personal sacrifice. The man would expect to become a slave of Jesus. You don't know what I'm talking about here. But anybody who, like, it's almost like a, this happens in prison. It's funny we're talking about prison today. This happens like, don't take any handouts. I, I, I haven't been, but I watch enough cop shows to know. You don't take handouts from nobody because they're expecting something from you. No matter what they say, if it's free or not. And in this culture today, if a man was to do something of great magnitude, regardless of what he said as you left, if he ever saw you again and he needed something, he expected it from you. So this guy going back could have, not saying he did, but could have expected to become Jesus' slave. I'm going to have to go back and serve this man, but at least I'm clean. 
personal sacrifice, but also public humiliation. The Samaritan bowing down at the feet of a Jew. Wow. I know it means little today, but then public humiliation, humbling himself at the feet of Jesus to the world, looking in, just a Jew. But to him, the God who heals, Jehovah Rapha. This Samaritan who chose to come back that day chose to jump in the deep end. And he realized as he jumped in the deep end that, oh, this is good. It's good to be close with God. It's good to surrender under the Lord. I want to say this, church. Many will go as far as to step into the surface level of of faith there'll be a bunch and there has been a bunch that will go as far as to just get their feet wet in faith come to church uh, sing the praises along with us stand up and sit back down whenever it's prompted there's many that'll go through the motions but I'll tell you church there's few that will continue to go deeper with the Lord Remember, there's a statement I made two weeks ago. You will only go as deep as you're willing to go with the Lord. You will only find yourself as in-depth in the relationship with Jesus as you want to be. And this guy chose to come back and with a loud voice, just, just disregarding the culture around him, disregarding anybody and everybody. I don't know if Jesus met, I mean, he met him back at the uh, leprosy town. It doesn't specify where Jesus was as this man began to uh, shout the praises publicly. But uh, something in me wants to say that Jesus continued his journey and began to, and, and began to go into the town where the priest would have been and, and things like this. And, and something tells me that uh, somebody publicly uh, just not, I mean, totally just disregarding everybody and what they would say, disregarding what anybody would uh, have opinions about how he just, I'm fumbling here. What I'm saying is like, this guy just, totally didn't care what anybody else said or thought and just bowed at the feet of Jesus, giving glory to God. And notice what happens here. It says that he fell down at, the feet, at his feet, thanking him. And he was a Samaritan. But before that, it says he returned to him with a loud voice and gave glory to God. He fell face down at his feet. Some people say that the Bible doesn't ever declare Jesus as God, but Oh no, that looks pretty plain to me. He gave glory to God and he fell face down at his feet, thanking him. That day a man decided to step off in the deep and he really got a good taste of who God is. And he got to experience um, what it's like to be in the deep. Notice what I said at the beginning of everything and I'm winding up. I have just a little bit left. Notice what I said. More than anything, I want this series to actually do some changing within you and I. 
Like, it's not what you learn, you know, about the history of whatever we're going through. Or It's not like, that's cool, that's all add-ons, but what I'm looking for is what you take with you as you step out of the deep. Because it's when you've jumped into the deep end, like you've gone through what it took to get you to jump in the deep end with the Lord. But as you experience the deep end, you realize that it's good, you give glory to God, noticing that He uh, that it's, it's amazing to be in this deep relationship with the Lord. It's when you decide, okay, now I'm going to go now I'm going to walk out of this deep end and it's what you take with you as you leave the deep end it's what you bring out of the deep with you that matters I want you to come out of this series over the next few weeks with a new perspective maybe a change of heart I want you to come out of this series changed and I want to be changed by the word of God to become a new and better person uh, seeking only to live his life for the Lord and I hope that's you as well I'm going to say this one more time many will go as far as to take the first few steps in their faith but not many will go as deep as Jesus would like you to come as deep as uh, I hope we will go Matthew verse uh, chapter 7 verse 21 says this it's kind of Challenging, and I wonder what it truly means. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. What does that mean? But only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Wait a second. This, these are the things I want to talk about during this sermon series. These things that when you read it, your stomach kind of moves a little bit because you're like, wait a second. What does that really mean? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only the one who does the will of my Father. Only the one who does the will of my Father. Only the one who does the will of my Father. What does that mean when the Bible also says that it's not by works that you are saved, but it's by grace through faith. It's nothing that you can do because you'll boast about that it was your doing that you were saved. So why, why is there a contrast there? That's the deep things I want to talk about. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only the ones who do the will of my Father in heaven. So I look and I read in the word of God in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 through 4. What is the will of the Father? The Bible says this, this is good. And it pleases God our Savior, uh, Savior who wants everyone to. Listen up, this is the will of the Father. This is what Jesus was talking about. Who wants everyone to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. I thought being saved was coming to the knowledge of the truth. Hold on. You ready to take a step deeper? It's one thing to take the first few steps in faith. It's a whole other thing to come to the knowledge of the truth. To understand the depth of what Jesus has done for you. To understand the true purpose and why Jesus came to save you. Why Jesus gives you this opportunity of new life. Even though you mess up daily. Even though you've spit in his face with your sin over and over and over again. Why does he continue in grace and mercy? Why is his mercy new every morning? Why have I been given such a purpose? Because the will of the Father is this, that you you would not only be saved, but that you would come to the knowledge of the truth. The truth being the depth of who you are in your relationship with who he really is. 
There's so much more to this thing called a life with Jesus. But many will just take the first few steps. Not many will dive off into the deep end. There's one more verse I want to share with you. The Bible says this. I don't want to I don't want to dance around these things like these aren't true, okay? So just take it for what it is. The Bible the Bible says this. Matthew chapter 7 verse 14. Now, narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life. And few find it. Narrow is the gate and difficult is the road that leads to life, and few find it. Most preachers would take that and, uh, you know, the good old narrow way, you know. Most preachers would take that and they'll preach that and they'll get on that tangent that not many are going to find the, uh, the, the, the road to heaven. It's narrow and not many find it and you shouldn't do, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be like the world. It kind of ties in with the not conforming to the ways of the world thing. A lot of preachers will take that verse and they'll begin to talk to you about how you shouldn't be doing what everybody else is doing. So don't make a new stage. Don't put lights on the stage. Don't, don't paint the walls like that. Keep the pews. Do all these traditional things. Be Stay traditional because you don't want to do what everybody else is doing because the Bible says narrow is the way and hard. It says that it is difficult, this road that leads to life. But what I want to say to you is this. Why is the road so difficult if Jesus said, take my yoke upon you for my burden is light, my yoke is easy? Can somebody explain to me? Why in the world would Jesus tell me that his yoke is easy, but the Bible in the same breath here in Matthew says that difficult is the road that leads to life. That don't make sense. And for some of you that may not know what a yoke is, the Bible's talking about when, when Jesus says my yoke is easy, when a, a yoke, and some of you do, you could probably teach this better than me, but a yoke is something that kind of buckles two uh, cattle together or buckles two um, uh, far, uh, working animals on the farm together. And what would happen is why you would use a yoke in most cases that you would take a trained ox or a trained um, uh animal of some sort and yoke it with an untrained animal why because that yoke will cause them to walk together step by step through this thing and that younger untrained animal that's yoked with the more trained one will eventually learn and be able to do the job itself that's why you yoke them together jesus says take my yoke upon you for my burden is light my yoke is easy and what i want to say to you is this jesus's yoke as he as you yoke up with the Lord as you step off into the deep end and realize the the truth I'm trying to use the terminology of these verses here as you realize and come to the truth the knowledge of the truth the depth of who you are with the Lord and who he is in this relationship as you're yoked up with the Lord and you're walking side by side and he's teaching you some things and he's asking you to do some things that you may not want to do because you're young and inexperienced, or he's telling you to do some things that may be uncomfortable. You're yoked with him, and it's easy. Why? Because there's grace, and there's mercy, and his kindness surpasses every, uh, every kind of kindness. What I'm trying to, the picture I'm trying to paint is this. How in the world could it say that the road is difficult, and it, uh, that leads to life? But the life giver says, take my yoke upon you, it's easy. Maybe this verse isn't talking about anything that you do to gain this life. 
I, I heard a preacher say this one time. How narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life and few find it. What this verse is talking about is not necessarily the action that you take in getting saved and living this life for Jesus. It's more the decision right before you begin to take action. And that's a lot of what we've been talking about today. And as a matter of fact, I want to go ahead and say the band, you can come on up because I'm ending right now. I want to talk about this decision right before you take a step. We've kind of, that's been the underlying tone, the, the theme of today's message, like a decision that has to be made, right? It's something, it's a decision. You look at the leper, the lepers in the first hand that made the decision to walk, even though their leprosy had not left yet, walked to the priest to go see if they could gain freedom. Or the decision of the one leper, who once was a leper, but now he's not, uh, to come back facing the implications that could have been, not saying that it was, but could have been had he come back, dropping his pride and and everything. What this verse could be saying is this, and you may not agree, but I think the reason why the Bible says that narrow is the gate, that's a a description of the gate, but uh, difficult the road that leads to life and few find it. I think the reason why the Bible makes this statement is the fact that there are many people that can't bring themselves to step off the deep end. It's not difficult because God has made it hard to be saved. It's difficult because for us, it's hard to lay the, hum- or the pride down. For us, it's hard to sacrificially, we'll talk about this next week. I hope you bring a friend next week. It's hard to sacrificially uh, disregard materialism in a materialistic age. It's hard to sacrificially make moves with your finances when you work so hard for it, Right? It's hard to humble yourself before the Lord. Or is it? Do we just make it hard? I think the reason why the Bible says the road is difficult is because we make it so much harder than it needs to be. The deep end is good. The deep end is good. So as we go deeper in this series, some of you will go deeper in your personal relationships with the Lord. You'll experience change. You'll experience the deep end, maybe, maybe not for the first time, but maybe in a new light. Um, if that's you, it may cause the people around you to say, well, they've gone off the deep end, and, and you have, but um, it's good. I love you guys. I want to pray for you and give you an opportunity to cast your cares upon the Lord because he cares for you. He cares about what you care about. So I want to give you this opportunity. As some have already done this morning, come before the Lord. And uh, if you need to do business with him, hey, these 
These are altars. Let's use them. Let's bring our life before the feet of Jesus. Let me pray for you.